Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe Zomabete on SAFM. The Bio-Africa Convention kicked off in Durban at the ICC Center today and will conclude on Wednesday. Delegates from across the science, health and innovation sectors will be in attendance to discuss solutions and developments within the sector. It will also showcase bio-innovations from the broader biotech community of from the broader biotech community of South Africa and of course the region of the continent at large, creating an enabling environment for commercialization of local innovations. The president of BioAfrica, Dr. Ntlantlamsomi, is indeed on the line. Welcome to the show, Dr. Msomi. Thank you so much for joining us. And how are things in KZN right now? Good evening, and good evening to your listeners. We've had an incredibly successful first day. Of course, it was technically the third day. Uh, over the weekend, we've hosted about 200 startups and students from across South Africa, the entire um, uh, four corners of the country. And I would, you know, it's an unqualified success up to now. And I'm hoping that by this time tomorrow, we will be uh, declaring victory. It's been an incredibly successful convention. Um, We have honored our startups, our young entrepreneurs, our young innovators, and I think I am I am so encouraged, inspired, uh, that we have quite an incredibly hopeful future. After the ravages of COVID-19, where we could not access vaccines and diagnostics, what we've seen over the past three days is just amazing. So I think that's it. You know, I'm I'm probably should be speechless. Mm. And that's why I'm not stopping. You should just stop me and say, stop now, we've heard you. Okay, stop now, we've heard you. <laughs> Let me understand what BioAfrica is, what it does, who it attracts, in which industries it is looking to operate, specifically bio. What does that word bio mean, innovation? What does it mean and what does bio-innovation mean? So that perhaps one can better understand the profile of the delegates and what it is that they are discussing at this convention. Okay, so biotechnology is one of those, um, call it obscure um, technologies. However, it permeates all facets of life. You ask about the industries. Um, pretty much all of healthcare is driven by biotechnology. The, 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 the therapeutics that we take, pills, vaccines, diagnostics for diagnosing diseases, that's biotechnology. Food, agriculture, modern agriculture, if you had a modern breakfast this morning, 90% of what you consumed would have been fruits of power technology. Um, it's increasingly playing a, a critical role in mining, remediation of mines and the like, all those dumps that you see around that uh, reef, um, biotechnology is starting to um, um, assist in that. Environmental, um, um, cleaning the environment, climate change. That's what power technology is as a technology. Um, so you can define it as a technology, but the industries, I think it, it contributes up to 30-40% of the global GDP outputs. We're talking about this year's theme being in our read, Africa's Resilient, Life Sciences Innovation for Achieving Health 
and food security. Let's just park for a moment health. And of course, it is an important conversation to have. But more especially now that you've made the concession post-COVID-19 and all the issues the world is facing in a world post-COVID-19, nothing or no frontier is as challenged as much as food security and its importance, particularly for those who don't have the means to effectively take care of the clinical aspects of health. Food security and good food and related matters, if you like, become that much more important. From what you've heard, from what you know, from what the delegates are engaging, what seems to be the major concern in relation to securing food for Africa and the security of that for an increasingly young and growing population? What are the challenges that stand in the way of food security? So I think you could you could define it in, in, in several ways, but one of the um, obvious uh, uh, issues is how food um, and, the, and the supply of food um, is driven by a market dynamics. What I've heard over the past day and a half or two is that there are now technologies that enable small-scale farmers, rural communities, and the like, even urban gardens, to convert them to become sustainable providers of food for themselves, not just commercially, but also in the possibility of creating new paradigms of food and farming, food production and farming. That's what we've seen around food security. We have a delegation from the International Center of Genetic Engineering uh, in Italy and, and, and another one from India who've demonstrated some technologies that contribute to growing food sustainably and these are interesting uh, examples of what is something that we see as an interface with our traditional indigenous knowledge systems, um, converting those into a scientific and packaging them into a scientific uh, format that allows it to be replicated and empowering that empowering communities. So that's, that, that's been the most um, exciting part around agriculture. The idea that you could take these technologies and move away from large agricultural concerns who impose market dynamics and pricing and supply. Mm -hmm. So when you have supply and demand and and, and bring back the power of the communities of households to produce their own food. And I think that's an important point, isn't it? The fact that households in South Africa, generally speaking, do not engage sufficiently anyway to subsistence farming how do we then i suppose inculcate first the culture of subsistence farming and then once that is an intrinsic culture if you will then perhaps look for the ease of doing that through the responsible effective and fair distribution and use of technology, biotechnology in particular. I wouldn't imagine biotechnology is something that, and if I am wrong, I would certainly appreciate being told as such, but I don't think biotechnology is something that you can just implement off the bat in these communities who perhaps have an indifferent relationship with subsistence, with subsistence farming. I think, I think, I think um, yes or no to what she's saying. Yes. It's the structure of industry that that convinces us that it's not possible. However, at BioAfrica over the past three years or so, 
um, even for or dating back to a few years back, we've been able to demonstrate that these technologies can be transferred to uh, marginalized communities. Very good. Uh, and and, and, and we, what we've done over the past five years of this mm. Africa is to bring in um, entities like the African Agricultural Research Council who have developed um, maize varieties that are um, suited to our local conditions, the local environment, because that's at the center of productivity. So if you go to most rural communities mm-hmm. in this country and across the continent, the, the, the people in those communities know how to grow maize. They know how to grow um, um, staple crops, indigenous crops. They, they don't need to be taught by anyone. All you are doing is basically overlaying another layer that will make that even more productive and resilient to environmental hazards. And that's why we say resilient Africa. Uh, achieve, you know, innovating to achieve food security and health security. And I don't imagine then from precisely what you have said, the interrelatedness of the work of the Department of Agriculture, because you mentioned, for instance, Agricultural Research Council, the fact that we are talking about food in the context of healthcare using innovation. So between the Department of Health, but science and technology, social development to a point, and most certainly rural development, there's some serious potential then if these stakeholders in the, I'm using South Africa as the context, could really use the low-hanging fruit of the arable land that we have, the potential for this technology to really plug a serious hole from a food security perspective, which down the line becomes a health security question or province. There is certainly potential. It's just a question of how the state arranges her resources. I think this is why we have um, platforms like Power Africa, because you would not believe it that we assume that the state is this monolithic entity that acts in concert. Mm, mm, and it mm. takes organizations like or platforms like Power Africa to bring together parties that you assume are talking all the time and they see the world in the same manner. Mm-hmm. They all see the challenges that you just articulated. However, we as a, as, a, as a platform are trying to forge and foster a dialogue that will then start to uh, encourage the state players. So today uh, we are hosted by the Deputy Minister of Science and Innovation, but we also have the CEOs of the major science councils. And you assume that these guys talk to each other all the time. We have a lot of international parties, CEOs mm. of international organizations. And that's what, this is the key. The human interaction that a convention like this provides is, inc- you, you cannot describe it, and it's the stuff that we assume, but the reality is that we don't talk enough. We don't have enough opportunities to talk because we are, we operate as silos because that's what the paradigm says, that efficiency means that you've got to do your work mm-hmm. 10 times faster. And therefore, it does not leave space for the stuff that is in between, uh, that is between um, the verticals and the silos that is specialized in. So I think the, the implementation um, platform is the human element, not the... Um, call it the institutional infrastructure. 
It's being able to bring people together and for people to start seeing the same thing at the same time. At the end of this convention, it's going to end at the, literally on the last day of this month, Wednesday. What would, if it were to be termed a success, would be the key takeaways for you in the South African context? In the South African context, I think we, we, we've already um, um, ticked a few boxes. We've um, launched a bio-entrepreneurship boot camp, which was incredibly successful, and we've introduced new uh, models on how to interact with young minds. And we, if we can then take that forward, we are also hoping to launch a female leaders of tomorrow um, fellowship tomorrow. Um, and this is to train young um, scientific uh, and innovative uh, women um, into, into the space so that we create enough of this. So we're launching it tomorrow, and that is a threat on its own. It's being launched by the former deputy president, uh, where we will announce the three recipients of the first fellowship. Um, the other is the number of uh, girls that are struck between parties in the global north and in the global south. We have in our midst the University of Emory's Drive, which is the biggest inventor of antiretrovirals. They have committed to work with South African institutions and companies to develop future um, drugs for future pandemics. These are some of the victory um, signals that I think we would we would say. We don't start off by saying we want to achieve this because this is really a platform for people to interact. And we would then do the scorecard or the count after the closure of this. But already the signs are there. Fantastic. Well, we wish you well for the balance of the conversation and we would be more than happy to have you with a little bit more time to get into some of the deeper issues to which you touched on, which are certainly important for our country's development. For now, go and enjoy yourself. I'm sure your friends are waiting for you and the drinks are, well, they're getting warm and you're missing out. <laughs> Dr. Nkankam Somi, President Thank of you. Bio Africa. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank certainly, you so much. sir. You come back anytime. 21 hours, it's time for news.